Welcome to the Strategic HR Show, the podcast series from FutureSolve, where we talk to senior business and HR leaders to share their advice on how to make better people decisions in the workplace and get the best out of their people. For show notes and free bonus resources, simply visit www.futuresolve.com forward slash podcast. And remember, if you'd like some help solving your strategic HR challenges, get in touch with us at FutureSolve. Whether it's developing your leaders and teams, hiring better people, creating a high performance culture, or something else, we'll help you boost the performance of your people and your business. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening in to this episode. We have a wonderful guest today, Paul Falcone, which has had leadership roles in HR, head of HR at Nickelodeon and Paramount Pictures and many others. And Paul is definitely passionate about really helping companies succeed with leadership and making sure that leadership communication makes a big impact across the business. So today, we're going to dive in. But before I dive in, I wanted to have Paul say a quick hello and also provide a quick background about his experience and how he has grown in HR and what he's done over the years. Oh, I've grown, Andy. I have to figure out which direction. I spent about 10 years with Viacom, which is the parent company of Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon. So as head of HR for Nick, as head of international HR for Paramount Pictures, I've also worked in healthcare biotech, and I've worked in financial services. So for me, it's been across the board. It's been union, it's been nonprofit, it's been international. I've pretty much touched most of the types of organizations out there. In the meantime, while I was working in those various capacities, I've been a writer. So I'm a columnist for Sherm, and I've now written 15 books with HarperCollins and with the American Management Association. Number 16 will be out in September on leading through crisis which I think everybody needs these days because that's what it feels like for all of us. About six months ago, to your point, I moved away from corporate, launched my own consulting firm, and I'm now specializing in management, you know, leadership training and also executive coaching. So it's been a blast. It's been a fun ride. Awesome. Well, thank you for that background. And so today you are writing a book and that's coming out soon. And then you are also supporting organizations as a consultant. Are you seeing any specific areas? Is it also around the book theme or what are the main topics that you're seeing on how you're supporting companies today? I think there's two trends. It's a great question. On the one hand, companies feel like they want to reward their managers, right? They've been through a tough time for the last three years. We're in this phase of post-COVID integration, reintegration, I guess I should call it. And the idea for them is you know, let's do something for our managers to make sure that we can make them feel like they're not treading water career-wise, like they're learning new things and that sort of thing. Then the second piece is it's all about leadership communication. Are they remote? Are they coming back? These challenges are real. And how to have these tough conversations, hold people accountable. We're seeing some weird behaviors out there. To the crisis piece, I think employees are feeling like their wires are exposed. They're tired. COVID's been a lot, but there's a lot more going on on the planet than just COVID right now. And managers are having a hard time dealing with those challenges. So I think that's what's really important for them to master and manage at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we see it every day. A lot of times as, you know, when it comes to everything that's going on in life, that affects 
work and also affects leaders. It affects how we, you know, connect with people. And I know one of the big things we want to talk about today is leadership communication. So what's a, you know, a big significant issue that you see with a lot of senior HR and business leaders when they're trying to connect with, you know, leadership communication, for example, is it what details, what big issues you're basically seeing that they're hearing from employees? How do they begin tackling that on? Is there a mind shift that they need to have? I mean, those are all big questions on my mind and also probably on the listener's mind is how do we bring all of that into the workplace, even though sometimes it's also external factors that are happening that are just stressing people out and also affecting our day-to-day lives. Yeah, I think so, Andy. And again, I give you a two-pronged approach. The first thing is, it's still that idea you have to have a strong steel hand, so to speak, with a velvet glove. I think if you can help people understand that when you're giving them corrective guidance, it's in their best interest. That's really, really important because then they can accept it. They can synthesize it. They can assume that, yeah, they probably should make this change for their own career good, for their own benefit. The expression is the most important decisions about our career are made when we're not in the room. And how do you help your people influence what's being said about them in that proverbial room at some point in the future? That's a really positive way and a constructive way to coach someone rather than making them feel like they're disciplined. The second part of the answer, though, to your question is, I think we have to be in tune with our people enough sometimes to just say, hey, you guys, meeting in my office at two o'clock, just want to check in. You can tell when they're nervous, they're anxious, everyone's kind of walking on eggshells, and you just need to make a space for them to sit around the campfire. We've lost that ability as a society to sit around the campfire and pass wisdom from the elders down to the younger generation. I think we need to make it safe. I'm not saying blue hats versus red hats and no one's arguing. I just want to know how are things impacting you and can I help and can we help as a team? And the truth of the matter is in my experience, Andy, there's not a lot that we can do. People are going through hard times and they're just going through hard times, but just making the space for them to be able to exhale and to say, you know, it's really nice, Paul. I appreciate that you do that for us. I know that once in a while you like to kind of touch base with us and make sure we're okay, whether it's one-on-one or as a group. But it's nice that you do that. We recognize that you recognize it. And that means a lot to us. I mean, that kind of safety zone is more important now than ever, because to your point, these crises are coming in all shapes and forms and sizes and whatnot. We have to be in tune for that for their own people. And we have to make it safe for our client managers to be able to do that for their teams as well. Wow. That is well said, Paul, because, you know, it's always been in the history of like top down, but listening two ways and making sure things can bubble up and have effective communication is all important, not just also for the success of the employee, but even the leader themselves, because they're going to find out things that they wouldn't have found out if they were just dictating down, right? Leadership. And it's definitely has to be a conversation of a collaboration. It can be hard, definitely for business leaders to know like where to start, right? And if they're trying to create a culture of communication, specifically, you know, pre-COVID, like the biggest thing is how do we find a balance of hybrid and in-person work or any of the big topics right now? You know, how do we give the employee the voice, but not even have them demand that they want to be at home all the time? So there's always that conversation. What's your advice on the best way to even like begin 
opening up that door and making small changes in the organization that bring, you know, positive impact? Yeah, great question. The funny thing is where I always come from, both in my writing and in my practice, is to bring people to the 30,000 foot view. Every once in a while, you got to get them out of the weeds. I know we work in the weeds, we make decisions in the weeds, but they have to have the right kind of perspective to see the broader picture. And when you look at millennials, the Gen Y, the 45 and under roughly, and then you look at the Gen Z Zoomers, right? The 25 and under, they're growing so quickly. They're not quite half the American workforce, but with the baby boomers moving out and even Gen X moving out, their percentages are you know, much bigger. They're changing quickly. Yeah. The second thing I'd say is these are two of the most studied generational cohorts in world history. We know everything about them. Thanks to, univer thanks to universities, think tanks, PhDs, and social studies of different kinds. The point is, what we know about them is noble. What we know they want is good. One of the things they want is career and professional development. Okay, check that box. That's good. Everyone wants to feel like they make a difference in the office. One of the things they want is this idea of diversity of thoughts, ideas, and voices, which is why we see so much with DEI. So this is cool. We got that one. But the third one they want is this work-life balance or work-life family balance, harmony, control, which interestingly enough, the remote work is giving them. Because yeah. of the just-in-time technology like Zoom, we all of a sudden realize we can do these things and not lose that much traction which is good. And so we've found this newfound freedom, which we love, yet even that's not the perfect solution because we're human beings, especially the younger cohorts, the Gen Y and the Gen Z want to spend time in the office. They want hybrid. Yes. They want to see, they want FaceTime because yep. you know their careers are ahead of them and they don't want to work fully remotely, but they like the freedom and the flexibility it gives if only one or two days a week. When you look at the charts, Andy, the idea of 100% on-site work is going down. The concept of 100% remote work is going down, but the trend in hybrid is going through the roof. Yeah. So now you have your CEOs and just C-level, in fairness, they have this thing called productivity paranoia, right? They're afraid that what they cannot see, they cannot manage. That's yeah. not an unlegitimate or an illegitimate point. I can see their concerns. The second thing is they worry about losing the sense of culture. If no one's ever in the office at the same time, right? Yeah. That sense of teamwork. And also one of the things we know about Gen Z, the Zoomers, the 25 and under crowd, is they are the most loneliest and the most isolated cohort on the planet. The research is showing us high levels of anxiety, angst, again, loneliness, isolation. That's why the emphasis on mental health is so big right now because we see these trends. So the question is, if you're the CEO, you also have to worry about your people's social health. Or what I said earlier about we've lost the ability to sit around the campfire and pass wisdom from the elders down to the younger generation. That's your staff meeting. That's yeah. your one-on-one -on -one meeting. That's your quarterly review meeting. That's all these chances where we have to come together. They can be done via remote. It's different. You have to be more intentional, more focused, more purposeful in how you do it. But I think the answer to your question, long story short, is if people understand the 30,000 foot view, if they understand both sides of this, where we recognize that this is giving you the freedom that you need to a degree, right? But we also have to account for the fact that CEOs are worried about losing the culture and they're worried about isolation that can come from this. What we believe is the right thing to do as an organization is bring us back three days a week. We yeah. think we want to start there. Ideally, we probably will get to four, but we're going to do this in stages because three years has been a long time to be away from the office. 
and we right. want people to kind of phase back in. Now we're seeing these trends, Andy, with Disney said, I think four days a week, Apple said three days a week. The question is how much will they you know, enforce it? Is it gonna be an employment decision? If you don't come in, you're fired? I don't think so, not in today's environment. The talent scarcity is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. It's too hard to find people. So I think these are suggested guidelines. Of course, the economy is changing. We're starting to hear about layoffs. When yeah. that happens, people will start to comply a lot quicker. But we're building the plane while we're flying it. It's just these are difficult times. It is a once in a century pandemic that we're coming out of. And we're all trying to figure out what the new normal is going to be. So getting traction on this isn't the easiest thing in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. A lot to think about. And you're right. I mean, there's no right answer yet. And it also depends on the company, what they're doing, the type of business. I mean, it all definitely makes a huge impact. There's no right answer or silver bullet for everybody. And they just need to find the working balance for each organization based on what they do and how they can support their clients and be you know, successful in the market. And understanding that and hearing that from both ends, it makes a big impact. And I was just going to say, I think the transparency is so important. The communication from leadership has never been more important than it is now. Most people, when you poll them, most workers will say communication is mediocre at best. This is our opportunity to shine. The reason why I think COVID propelled human resources to the proverbial table, you know, everyone wants a seat at the table. Well, all of a sudden, companies are realizing that human capital element is what keeps their doors open. Things were taken for granted up until 2020. And now what we're seeing in these CEO surveys is they're basically saying what's most important to them. Guess what? It's the emotional intelligence. It's the high emotional quotient, the EQ. When I was younger, we called it soft skills. And yeah. when I said I wanted to do soft skills training, they usually laughed and said, that's nice, Paul. Go back into your office and we'll tell you when we need that. <laughs> but all of a sudden... The ability to communicate well, to build teams, to have empathy, to become someone's favorite boss, to make sure you're an ethical employer. One of the top five, again, for the Gen Y and Gen Z, Andy, is they want to work for an ethical company, which is one of the reasons I wrote a book called Workplace Ethics, which came out last year. They want to work for an ethical company and for an employer or a management team that cares about them personally. Now, I'm a boomer. I wanted that same thing. The point is, because we've studied these generational cohorts now, we know so much about them, smart companies are going to look. You may not be able to hit on all top five or whatever the number is, but you should be able to incorporate some. Some of it, for example, is corporate social responsibility and environmentalism. That's pretty easy to do. Just put in those little things where people can drop their cans and their bottles and their yeah. plastics. There's little things that companies can do that can make a big difference. And I think they need to look at that 30,000-foot view of what are the key drivers in this humongous generation. The millennials are 80 million strong. The baby boom was only 77 million. And wow. to that point in time, that was the biggest we'd ever seen. And the millennials are bigger. So a smart employer is going to say, how do I tune into this? And how do I make this part of our human capital practice? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to talk about those soft skills that you're mentioning, I mean, I've read some reports that you know some of the hardest skills to find in the future are going to be like empathy and creativity and some of those things. How do we foster some of that growth and even create more of those leaders that we want to lead those companies moving forward? You know, so the biggest question would be like, you know, what are the roadblocks or hardships of 
starting to think in the future, like not only supporting the workforce in that way, but how do we build leaders to continue and carry the company forward? I have a great answer for that one. What I've always done in my leadership practices is I talk to people about something very simple that they can hold in their you know, awareness of becoming someone's favorite boss. So I teach this at UCLA too. Go through the class. Tell me about your favorite boss. And the students will raise their hands and they'll say, it's someone who I felt like always had my back. It's, you know, my favorite boss was so-and-so. And Paul, she challenged me to do things that I didn't even think I was ready for. She seemed to have more faith in me than I had in myself. And then the next person says, it was someone who cared about my career and professional development. I knew that they had my back and what they wanted for me, what I wanted for me. And then I stopped the class, Andy, and I say, okay, you guys, slow down for just a second. Are you describing that person's beingness or their doingness? In other words, are you describing who they were being, who they are, or are you describing what they do? And I know the answer is both, but really drill this down. And usually they talk it through and they start thinking, well, it's what they do. And then someone says, well, you know, really, it's who they are. And I say, bingo, you guys are making this harder than we need to. When you think of your favorite boss, you're talking about that person's character and you're talking about their caring. Maya Angelou, the American poet said, people may not remember what you did and people may not remember what you said, but people will always remember how you made them feel. If you can just keep this simple paradigm of becoming someone's favorite boss, it's a prison that captures everything. It captures high productivity, high employee engagement, high employee satisfaction, Whoever that was to you, you be the gift. You pay it forward. Do your best to become that to your employees. You will have top performing employees who will do their best work every day with peace of mind. And in an environment where we need innovation and creativity, you want people firing on all cylinders. You want people who feel like, I'm not afraid of making a mistake. Because if you make a mistake around here, they're going to be all over you. So they go into their shell and they only do so much. That's true. Every company needs that innovation. And the way you're going to get it is to free people up to do their best work every day. As a matter of fact, I tell managers often, meet with your employees one-on-one -on -one and ask them that simple question. Are you able to do your very best work every day with peace of mind? See where they come back with you. And if you don't ask, you're not going to find out. But you may be surprised to find out there were some problems underneath the surface that I wasn't aware of until I sat down and I asked that very simple question. As simple as we can keep these things, it makes it much easier to move forward with the larger strategic things we need to work with. Yeah. Wow. You know, this brings us to another point. We're talking about, you know, helping future leaders and creating future leaders and fostering them. But from your point, Paul, I mean, you're ahead of this and you talk about thought leadership and you publish a lot of articles around where HR is going. But I wanted to just open up the space and really ask you, what does the future hold for HR and the world of work? And, you know, what should listeners be prepared for, whether it's just what we talked about, or is there anything else that you see that could be coming? Andy, there's so many tons of stuff coming our way. It's like, <laughs> where, which way do you move? It is actually, in my opinion, a very good time to be in human resources. If you go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, bls.gov, and you do forward slash OOH for their Occupational Outlook Handbook, bls.gov forward slash OOH, and you look up human resources and you'll see our industry, it projects where we're going for the next 10 years in terms of job growth, the average job in America versus jobs by particular disciplines. 
human resources growing faster than the average job. That's a good sign. But what we do know also is that when it comes to everything that we're seeing in terms of digital transformation, artificial intelligence, machine learning, there's so much on the horizon. What we know they've done to the marketing world is they've built these models so that if you and I go on to the internet and we click on a pair of shoes, for the next two weeks, we're going to get advertisements on shoes, right? We've done that in that marketing perspective. Now it's coming to the human capital world. It's coming to the human resources world. Yeah. Employers want to know what is driving their employees' behaviors. What do their employees want? You know, and it comes to open enrollment. It's time to renew your benefits. What are the new things out there that are going to keep people happy? Well, if we know what the trends are with the millennials and the Gen Z, it's a good starting point, but that's a data point. The other thing is, what are the new things that are coming out there in light of today's challenges? But everything that you look at is going to have a much more complex route. It's not going to be quite as simple as it was, and that's okay. But our job is going to focus on very simple things, talent management and talent development. And talent acquisition is always going to be there, but the scarcity remains. Here's what misses awareness. A lot of times, Andy, people are thinking, well, this talent scarcity really came from COVID. And it's like, yeah, COVID really shone a light on it. And I'll give you that. But when you look at what's trending out there, there's a book that I love to recommend. It's called The Next Hundred Years. And it's by George Friedman. It was published in 2009, New York Times bestseller. But basically one of the tenets is for the remainder of this century, talent scarcity is going to be the rule. And you know, he kind of walks us through where we're going to be in the 2040s versus the 2060s and the 2080s. But the talent scarcity is not going anywhere. This is going to be one of the major challenges. And he talks about, you know, we're, we're building walls to keep people out. We may be incentivizing people to come in before you know it, because we're not the only ones doing it. All the industrialized economies are going to have massive shortfalls. I think he mentioned that Japan is going from 125 million to 88 million people between now and 2060. Those kinds of trends are not just there. South Korea has the lowest birth rate in the world. There are challenges. On the flip side, we just heard that the world hit 8 billion residents. That was on November the 15th, 2022. So just what, five, six months ago, we hit our 8th billionth resident. So you would think we're so big. The problem is so much of that growth is happening in the underdeveloped world where having multiple children becomes your social safety net, right? There's yeah. no social security. You have to have children. And what he projects is that Africa is going to be where everyone is looking for talent as the yep. century moves forward. So mm -hmm. the bigger trends and trying to educate your people on where this is all going so that when they come back to the weeds to do their work, they have a fresh perspective. And I think that's really important for all leaders to kind of keep in mind, but especially CHROs and people moving through the ranks in the human resources field. Yeah. Wow, Paul, this is very informative and thank you for sharing that. I definitely hear that as well as, you know, the low income and undeveloped world is going to be the future of talent and the future of skills. And I think my professor once said, whoever taps into that market and figure out a way to monetize it is the next billionaire. But that's, that's true. That's where the future is going. Well, Paul, it, it was really a pleasure having you. I wanted to end this interview with people want to learn more about you or your organization or even reach out to you. What should they do next? Oh, that's very nice. I thank you, Andy. Well, the first thing is my website is easy. It's my name, paulfalconehr.com. So that's probably the easiest way. I'm Paul Falcone One on LinkedIn. So I'd love to connect on LinkedIn if anyone would like to do that. 
And these days, my focus is really on leadership training, strengthening that muscle of senior management and frontline operational leadership, and also executive coaching. So those are the two areas that I'm focusing on at this new Paul Falcone 2.0 stage of my own career development. So trying to enjoy it as much as I can. Awesome. Well, Paul, we had a great time today. You definitely you know, shed a lot of light on a lot of things that every, I think, business owner is thinking about and leaders are thinking about. So this is actually a really, really good episode for them to listen to and even put some next steps and begin making some changes in their organizations. I wanted to thank you for taking time today and being on my podcast. And please do reach out to Paul if you have any questions. It's been a real pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Eddie. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Strategic HR Show, the podcast series from FutureSolve, where we talk to senior business and HR leaders to share their advice on how to make better people decisions in the workplace and get the best out of their people. For show notes and free bonus resources, simply visit www.futuresolve.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to make better people decisions in their business. And remember, if you'd like some help solving your HR challenges, get in touch with us at FutureSolve. Whether it's developing your leaders and teams, hiring better people, creating a high-performance culture, or something else, we'll help you boost the performance of your people and your business. Thanks, and see you soon.